Before we dive into today's episode, I want to tell you about a free three-act worksheet to help you structure your story. Whether you're a plotter or a pantser, a novelist or short fiction writer, this three-act worksheet will help you navigate your material and even begin each new story with a better plan. Download yours at nancypinuccio.com forward slash act. Stop getting stuck in the middle of your draft. Go grab this free worksheet, nancypinuccio.com forward slash act. We want to move our reader emotionally. We want them to feel our character's joy, their pain, and everything in between. We want our reader to feel the full spectrum of their emotions. But one of the surest ways to sever the reader's emotional connection is to be overly direct about how your character feels. In today's episode of Writer Unleashed, we're going to break down four ways to get the greatest emotional payoff from your story. Stay tuned. Writer Unleashed is for you, a writer who has a story you want to bring onto the page and into the hearts and minds of readers. I'm Nancy Pinuccio, writer, editor, and writing coach, and each week we'll explore techniques, mindsets, and inspiration for writing stories readers can't put down. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let's begin. times have you read something like this? Susan screamed with terror. His heart palpitated as he climbed the attic stairs. My heart plummeted with grief. Flannery O'Connor once said that as writers, we can't create emotion with emotion. We have to provide it with a body. We have to create a world with weight and extension. In other words, before an emotion can take on imaginative weight and substance, before it can be felt by the reader, it's got to be embodied in the world of the real, a world the reader can see, hear, smell, touch, taste, and inhabit. Reading is a physical response. We don't just intellectualize it, we experience it in our bodies. Reading should feel like a ride, not just this cerebral experience that stays in our head. We're hardwired to respond emotionally to the world through our senses. And this is just as true for the world you create on the page. When you appeal to our senses, you blast through our intellect to our most primitive emotions. So let's talk about the biology of emotion. Neuroscientists say that our brain amounts to three interconnected biological computers, and each has its own special intelligence and neural machinery. For now, we're just going to focus on two of those, the outer brain, the neocortex, and the deeper layer the limbic system, which resides in our spinal cord. The neocortex allows us to reason, to contemplate, 
to reach intellectual insights and process abstractions. To this part of the brain, words like fear and love mean something, but while the neocortex can understand the concept of fear or love, it can't feel it. This top layer is not capable of producing a physical response, a gut reaction. It's the limbic system, the most ancient layer of our brain, that generates strong, vivid emotions. This part of the brain takes in information through the five senses, then produces a wide variety of sense responses within our body. It feels anger, fear, desire, love, exhilaration, awe, grief, and a host of other subtle and complex emotions. So when a reader feels heartbreak for your character or anger at another, when she dreads what might happen in the near empty parking lot of the mall at night, it's a limbic response. It's irrational. It's instinctual. It's physical and it's primal. Nabokov once said this, Although we read with our minds, the seat of artistic delight is between the shoulder blades. That little shiver behind is quite certainly the highest form of emotion that humanity has attained when evolving pure art and pure science. Let us worship the spine and its tingle. So you want to bring your character's emotions out of the analytical, away from the general, beyond the abstract. You want to slip inside your character's consciousness and create a world for them to inhabit, a world full of textures, colors, odors, sights, and sounds. So let's take a look at this excerpt from Elizabeth McCracken's novel, Niagara Falls All Over Again. The baby had wandered out of the house. Look, a beautiful, shimmering heart in the backyard, glittering romance to a baby girl. There were always little wavelets in our pool, the water holding coins of light between its fingers. The baby doesn't know the difference between water and light, unless it's on her skin. One is cold and the other warm. But how can you tell if you don't touch? So she tries to touch. She is a magpie. She steals all the shiny things in the house and hides them in her bed, butter knives and costume jewelry and the foil from packs of cigarettes. She walks to the edge of the pool. She doesn't look around. She doesn't know this is forbidden. She leans over the water and now the flash is beyond her reach. So she leans farther and she is so small, there is no splash, and she is so round that she floats, and she is so surprised that she does nothing, nothing at all, and when her mother finds her, only minutes later, says the doctor, she is still floating, little jellyfish, greedy little jellyfish, her hands empty, and her face, when they turn her over, disappointed. Okay, so... How did you feel as I read this to you? Where in your body did you feel it? Every time I read this, I feel this sinking feeling in my chest. I feel devastated 
and I feel lost. I feel grief. So how did Elizabeth McCracken do this? What can we learn from this passage? Number one, avoid emotional cliches. Resist telling us how your character feels. You don't want to chase us into a corner with your character's emotions. You know, saying Moses is sad or grief-stricken tells us virtually nothing about how he feels, and it short-circuits our natural urge to fill in what's unsaid. The author never directly states how Moses feels. Instead, she creates concrete images, which our limbic brain translates into an alchemy of emotions. We don't need to be told Moses' heart is breaking. Ours is breaking, and that's all that matters. Notice there's not one word in this passage that mentions grief. It's all infused in the images. The author doesn't give Moses ripplets of tears, a sinking heart, or guttural cries. We expect him to weep, to feel agonizing loss, which renders it unnecessary on the page. By paying attention to the small details and objects, she avoids melodrama and reveals how he feels, and most important, she makes us feel his grief. Objects can be repositories for our character's biggest emotions. They can bring the reader into your character's emotional universe. Emotions are complex. We never just feel one emotion. For example, our love for our kids is often mixed with fear, with guilt, with shame, even sometimes with anger. Number two, juxtapose the details. Notice how this author juxtaposes the tragic circumstances with images of dappling light. She also spares us the potentially melodramatic moment of the little girl's death by having Mose imagine the event through the little girl's perspective. It's a tender moment full of glitter and baby girl romance. It's not grim or dark, something we might expect. So when writing your own emotional moments, rather than use a gray, rainy day to convey sadness or a sunny day full of birdsong to mirror happiness, try flipping it around. How might a grieving father interpret birds? Number three, think large, write small. Moses' grief is embodied in the smallest details, not large, dramatic displays of emotion. What raises this passage to an emotional pitch is the attention given to small, specific details. Butter knives and costume jewelry and the foil from packs of cigarettes, all the particular objects his little girl stole and stashed in her bed. Notice how emotionally restrained this passage is. It's the details that give us access to Moses' interior. It's what brings us beyond the facts and surface events directly into the world of emotion. Number four, recreate your character's experience. One of the things that's so striking about this passage is the sudden switch to present tense as Mose imagines the unimaginable. The sentence rhythm also modulates between short 
and long sentences. Now, the last sentence in particular is breathless and urgent. She leans over the water, and now the flash is beyond her reach. So she leans farther, and she is so small, there is no splash, and she is so round that she floats, and she is so surprised that she does nothing, nothing at all. And when her mother finds her, only minutes later, says the doctor, she is still floating, little jellyfish, greedy little jellyfish, her hands empty, and her face, when they turn her over, disappointed. So that sentence rhythm, that switch to present tense, this all correlates to the shock and trauma, and it's a masterful way of showing, not telling. The takeaway here, you want to filter emotion through your character's consciousness, recreate their experience, and you'll draw the reader directly into that emotion. When we draw the reader into the experience, we create more intimacy between reader and story. We don't just convey the emotion, which is a great feat in itself. We instantly transfer that emotion to the reader, hopefully with a little spine tingle thrown in. So here's a two-part writing exercise for you. Write one scene from the perspective of a woman viewing a sunset whose husband has just died. Don't mention the death. Describe the same sunset from the perspective of a woman who's just found out that her husband has had an affair. Don't mention the affair. So number one, don't tell us how your character feels. Avoid emotional cliches. Number two, Juxtapose the details. Make them clash. Number three, think large, write small. Pay attention to those precise objects that can be repositories for your character's emotions. Number four, recreate your character's experience. For example, vary sentence rhythm and length. Thanks so very much for joining me today. I hope these four tips help you write emotional moments in your story with more impact. If this episode resonated with you, please leave a review. And if you haven't subscribed yet, hop on board. I come to you each week jam-packed with writing techniques and inspiration so you can bring your stories onto the page and into the hearts and minds of readers. For more resources, visit me at nancypinuccio.com. Keep writing, and I'll talk to you soon.